When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deeply focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I am joined here once again by my friend and co-host, Christopher Weber, probably more likely known as Schwebzy. Schwebzy, how's it going today? Hi, friends. It's going good. I'm home. Yes, Uh, you are. Which, uh, you know, if you've been following my travels, I, uh, I hit up uh, five different stadiums in six days recently, and I stopped uh, in Milwaukee where I hung out with uh, my co-host Jordan and snuggled a bit, and then I came it's home. very nice. It was, it was very warm. Very warm, very cozy. Now, as opposed to now where it's just literally just warm and oppressively bad currently. I'm sitting in a soup of myself. At the it moment, was it's warm. Not fun. It, yeah, it was it was aggressively uh, hot and sweaty there. Also, uh, if you remember, the title of the last episode was "Happy and Sticky," which yes. uh, yeah, that's unfortunately accurate. <laughs> uh, hopefully, that will not. Well, I mean, I hope that we are happy after our next recording in person, which I think we're going to be doing once we do the PL meetup in New York at the end of July, right? Yes, that's going to be so fun. Be fantastic! I get to meet your uh, beloved other, your other wife. I, I am baseball wife to Schwebzy, so I get to meet actual wife, which is going to be—it's going to be super exciting. And then, obviously, uh, like everyone else from PL that I get to yeah. see too. Uh, my my favorite part about the uh, so uh, a little article was posted on PitcherList.com about the meetup, you know, because we we want you all to uh, come hang out. And uh, on the uh, article, uh, all of the staff members that were going to be attending were listed. And who were the <laughs> last two members? of pitcher list listed these, these two schlubs <laughs> these two dingleberries just hanging off the back end of that list yeah i mean we are to, to be fair i think we are the lowest billing on that list of people last but also absolutely least <laughs> they are synonymous in this case <laughs> uh but yeah so uh if you want more updates on that obviously and if you want to follow us and see when we're going to be online and also just like see what's up in general with the meetup or just other things pl uh feel free to follow us at our shared account at in the deep pl on twitter and then also you can follow us individually at schwebzy for schwebzy that's s-h-w-e-b-s-i and then bunt singles for myself uh and then if you want to send us any mailbag questions or anything like that or just like tell us we're doing a good or i guess bad job please don't send us hate mail preferably but send if you'd like to mail. i want hate mail <laughs> I've never gotten it, it before. Okay. I would like don't some. send if you're going to send hate mail, address it to Schwebzy and not me, because while Schwebzy is fed by the hate, I am crippled by it. Uh, Look, but I, if you I, wanted, <laughs> I saw your hands after we took batting practice. I know how delicate you are now. I don't know. I mean, okay, it's kind of healed. I'm sure this is a, this is a, uh, once again, I'm doing this thing uh, that everyone loves to, when people do on a podcast, which is uh, do something that's visual. Uh, but the people that can or that are watching the stream plus Shrebs, you can see my hand. It's actually kind of healed up mostly, which is good. These lily white podcasting hands have some calluses on them now. So that's good. Ironic after giving me all that guff for my lily white podcasting hands. 
I mean, we both we both kind of do. To be fair, you do we play do, softball do. all the time. It's true. So you're already built up a little bit, but it's, it's uh, amazing how not good I am considering. Anyways, that email <laughs> that I never said yet is uh, in the deep pl at gmail.com. Feel free to shoot us any mailbag questions there. Uh, but yeah, Schwebsy, should we kick this thing off? Let's do that. All right, cool. So I just want to cover a few little news bits at the top of the show here. So uh, our very special, one of our very special boys, Nico Horner, is back from the IL and is uh, in the starting lineup for the Cubs. Again, he had a hit today in his second game back, which is really, really good. Uh, Honestly, this is mostly just me being selfish because I'm a Nico Horner stand that I wanted to bring it up. But again, he's only 17% rostered in leagues, so he's going to be out there for you, uh, falling just under that 20% threshold that we like to follow uh, again, he's going to be hitting higher up in that lineup, most likely as the season goes on. I think the changes that he made to his stance uh, and then subsequent improvements in his offensive output, I think are going to stick. Uh, and then the gold glove level defense is going to keep him in the starting lineup all the time. So definitely go pick up Nico Horner. Not he is back and healthy. Uh, Shrubsy, anything about Nico that you want to add? No, the, I mean, the, the, the cliff notes of Nico are, are easy. It's like you, we expect playing time. We expect stable batting average. Yep. Hopefully a little bit of pop because of the batting stance change. And then, you know, the counting stats that come with a good batting average and uh, everyday playing time. I mean, with how fast he is, I really wish that he would steal more bases because he's incredibly fast. Like his sprint speed's 90th percentile plus, I believe, if I remember yeah, correctly. We, I mean, we talk all the time about how stolen bases are largely about intent. And actually, uh, mm-hmm. that's going to be that's going to be uh, come up shortly. But uh, first, let's talk about uh, another guy that is a favorite of yours. Uh, yes. Uh, so someone that I hyped pretty heavily in the preseason episodes, right? Uh, Jaron Duran, who's surprisingly, he's 17% rostered. And I think that's mostly because of the hype that's been building after the news came out this week, that he was going to be held off of Team USA due to just the sheer potential of getting called back uh, from national team service to play for the Sox at some point. So they told him to not uh, add him to the roster at that point, or I guess I shouldn't say that. I guess Team USA chose not to add him to the roster out of fear of that potentially happening. So a lot of people are jumping on Jaron Duran. He's still underneath that twenty percent threshold. So definitely, if he is out there, go nab him. This is again similar to Nico Horner, someone who made a swing change in the off season. Actually, it was near the end of last year, if I remember right, and kind of went gangbusters and popped off during uh, Dominican League play and then also just in general in spring training and it's looked really, really good. Uh, so, yeah. It's, I'm honestly like really surprised at like how rostered he is because like, yes, he's very good. And yes, he's yeah. like, he's produced like crazy in the minor leagues so far, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we know about the swing change, but like this feels like the kind of player that like, you know, really savvy uh, managers would be on to, but maybe not everyone else. But 17% is like way higher than I would have expected at this point. Yeah. And just, and that's obviously like for us, because the numbers that we look at, the figures are from a combination of, it aggregates uh, ESPN and Yahoo, which are typically, I mean, like 10, 12 team leagues in yeah, most like cases. You figure but, like the most, the most viewed prospect list out there is probably MLB.com's pipeline because it's, you know, it's always the first thing that comes up in uh, Google searches. Yes. And like he's 86th on that list and you wouldn't expect like the 86th ranked prospect to be this rostered so, you know, early before his debut, but I guess the hype is real. Yeah. There's tons of helium behind his name. I, I mean, I know that Shelly Verstrait was also very hyped about him. Obviously, we talked about Jaron Duran uh, on the episode that we had her on earlier this year. 
So, I mean, lots of analysts are really, really high on Duran. I think that, well, I hope that because I have plenty of shares of him as well uh, on lots of my teams that they will pay off. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for him to make his debut. Uh, Twitch uh, chat member uh, KU Freak actually thinks so. I mean, actually, Shrubsy, how about a board bet? What's the board bet? When does, he, when, when, do, when does he get the call? Oh, my Cause, God. Because our, our uh, Twitch chat... Uh, participant KU Freak said that it was July 27th. That's mostly because they're going to be at the game that day, which I can respect that. It's I good totally reason as any. Uh, when, when do you think it's going to happen? Do you think it's, I think that probably like, I'm going to say the 19th. I mean, so we've got the all-star break coming up. Like basically yeah. it's right around the corner. It's a week away. Um, and right now the Red Sox are running out Danny Santana as their center fielder. Yes, they are. I imagine it's coming soon. I'm going to, I'm going to say, uh, I really hope so. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to say, tw- what, what did you say? I already forgot. I said the, ni- I said the 19th. Uh, I believe I'm, the I'm all-star gonna... break is over on the 18th. I'm going to, I'm going to be the, uh, terrible prices, right? Uh, opponent. And I'm going to say the 21st. I'm just going to go two up this guy. I mean, this, watch, watch it happen on the 20th and it's going to be closest <laughs> without going over and I'm still going to get you. It's going to happen. But yeah, okay, so we got to mark that one down. That's a board bet for us. Schwebs, you said the 21st. I said the 19th. We'll figure out when it is. But uh, yeah. Uh, also, by the way, because I didn't say it at the top of the show, speaking of Twitch chat participants, we stream the preparation and recording of the podcast every, usually it's Sunday this week. We did it on Monday because of the holiday and because of partial laziness on both of our parts. And Schwebs, wanted to see his wife because they hadn't seen each other in like two weeks. But uh, feel free to join us over at Schwebzy's Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv backslash Schwebzy on Sunday nights, usually around 9 p.m. Eastern time. And that's when we do the prep and recording of the podcast. But yeah, and totally forgot to do that at the top. Every week we tell ourselves, we tell, we tell each other, we are going to prepare this week. We're going we're gonna to keep the stream to a reasonable length. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. Folks, we are going to be, we're going to be, getting near six hours today for the stream and recording we just so, like hanging uh, out too much that's what it is and i and think that's what it is i'm you know i as a completely unbiased party i've got to say it's fun it's a blast we, it is we, really fun i i like to think that we keep things uh relatively interesting for the entirety of the stream whenever we're not uh panicking and actually uh writing and preparing for the podcast it's honestly amazing because we'll take it'll be like the first two and a half hours it's like every we'll just like kind of bs with each other we'll bs with people in the chat and then we'll be like oh we really oh, we should really start working on some stuff and then we just instantly again there's it's something that gets a sidetracked and then our it's like an, and then it's an hour and a half of us just like saying something once every five to ten minutes just dead silent on the stream just dead air it's 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 really really awful because we're actually trying to do work well the the nice thing about there being two of us is that you know one of us can talk while the other writes so we in theory that would be a good way to get work done if we ever got work done that's fair i mean i I really do want to resolve myself to actually do some pre-prep uh i did last week i think a little bit i had some stuff done before our actual uh stream last week but eh. It, I mean, it, it could be worse. It's still it's still a great time. For 33 years running, my New Year's resolution has been to stop procrastinating, and uh, it has not taken once. Nah, there's always next year, though, right? Eh, there's next year. Yeah, there's always next year. All right. Six months away. All right. Speaking of putting things off longer than we need to, let's get to the meat and potatoes of the episode, Schwebzy. Uh We're going to talk about some hitters here up front. So first, we got Jake Fraley. Schwebzy, you wrote up this one a little bit. Uh, 
Fraley is currently 11% rostered between ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Tell me a little bit about why you're into Jake Fraley. Okay. So I've talked before. It's, it's kind of a running thing at this point, how I love players with good plate discipline. Jake Fraley is taking that to an extreme. Jake Fraley is clearly a listener of the podcast. This is ridiculous. The man is currently putting up a 23% walk rate. That is high. That's really high. To put it into context, if he were to keep up this walk rate, 23%, it would be tied for the 16th best season-long walk rate in history. You know, behind four Ted Williams seasons, four Barry Bonds seasons, a couple Maguire seasons, a couple Babe Ruth seasons, a Mickey Mantle, you know, a bunch of scrubs. Well, Obviously, yeah, yeah, no one you've heard of. the The fun thing is that so he he it would be 16th of all time, and there's all these all time greats ahead of him, and there's also like two guys who had like. 025 isos and hit like 215 and we're just like terrible just walked a ton from like 1890 i love going through old baseball stats like that you just find such weird stuff sometimes but i digress obviously this walk rate is good freely has stolen seven bases so he's putting those walks to good use and turning walks into doubles basically which is awesome for his fantasy value awesome for his team i don't think either of those things are going to change so he's going to keep walking. He's shown the willingness to steal some bases. He's not the fastest. So it's kind of like a Jonathan VR situation where like it's yeah. more about the intent than it is about the pure speed. He's not a burner. But, you know, like we, we've said before, a lot of stolen bases are about the intent and picking the right moments, especially if you don't have the wheels. So the thing that I'm concerned about is the power. After doing some digging, I'm really concerned that the like pop just isn't really his game. It's not part of his long-term profile. Basically, all of his home runs have come on mistake pitches. They've all been hangers right down the middle. Uh, he has a huge, huge hole in his swing. It's like an L shape from uh, up middle up to up and in to middle in. He just can't hit pitches there. But if it's middle or middle down or down and in, he can crush it. So uh, in the past, he's had a major pop-up problem. And uh, he, he used to, like his first two cups of coffee, he, uh, he had like 26% pop-up percentages. Like he was literally popping yeah. up one in four plate appearances, which is bad. You don't want to pop up. Uh, this year, he has basically 100% traded pop-ups for line drives, which is awesome for your production, obviously. But I just can't believe that that's sustainable. He's got a career 0.9 solid contact rate. That's like impossibly low. Somehow he has a higher barrel rate than solid contact rate. I, told, I don't know. You, you straight up told me that before we started recording the episode. And I had like my mouth went agape because I didn't actually believe that it could be that low. Yeah, I don't know. But so, yeah, he's still capable of taking the ball over the fence. Yes. But he's 371st in baseball in fly ball and line drive exit velo. And he's 325th in baseball in exit velos on home runs. Those aren't nails in the coffin since, you know, a home run is a home run, whether it goes 314 in uh, the Yankees Little League Stadium or if it goes 450 to dead center, still a home run. Yeah. But I don't like it when I'm talking about future home run prediction. I just don't. He's not a masher. That's just, uh, no. you know, that's just it. So what does it mean for you as a fantasy owner? 
the gist is if you're in an OBP league, you need to roster Fraley like immediately if he's not already gone, which he should be in an OBP league. In average leagues, it gets a little bit more dicey, but he gets on base, has a willingness to steal bags, and has demonstrated the ability to hit mistake pitches over the fence. Given a full slate of playing time, you're probably looking at like a 15 home run, 20 stolen base season here with strong run totals and an elite OBP. And that will play in many, many leagues. Yeah, I mean, for me, just in and of itself, the stolen base value that he provides, like you said, getting on first and then turning those into doubles is something that I know a lot of people, including myself, continually fall short in every single year is I always feel like I'm running behind on stolen bases because I don't draft them well enough. Uh, And then scrambling to try to find them off the waiver wire is something that is super difficult to do. But I mean, this is a perfect example of someone who can do a little bit of that. And then, I mean, like you said, that insane um, line drive rate isn't going to stand up probably over the course of the full season. But he should still, he should still not hurt you too badly in those areas either. So I really, really like this one. Like at one point when I was looking at his uh, overall profile, I was looking at what pitches he was swinging and missing at. Yeah. There were a lot of swings and misses at fastballs up, which you'd expect given everything else I just said. Yep. But there were also very few uh, whiffs on breaking pitches low in the zone. Like he's got a great eye. And when he sees those mistake pitches, he knows what to do with them either lay off them or if they're, you know, if they're bad or, you know, pop them over the right field wall, a couple rows deep, if, uh, if he can get to them. So, I mean, the, the, the good eye means that I ideally he can pick out the meatballs and really, uh, you know, pick on some mistakes still. So there there's optimism here, you know, there, there's more upside here than, uh, maybe I'm letting on. Yeah. I mean, I'd be fine for me, like fairly, at 11% roster ship is someone that I'm going to look at too in some of my leagues. Obviously, um, in my auto new leagues, I'm going to go look at him there because I'm falling behind in my roto league in stolen bases. And like you said, like he he's cut out a role for himself there and getting on base that much is going to be valuable regardless. So I really, really, I really, really like this one, Schwebs. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not like the Mariners have anyone knocking on the doors, right? Yeah, totally. Definitely not. Anyways, <laughs> um, Anything else on Fraley? Oh, that wasn't enough. No, I, I mean, I was hoping that you'd take this <laughs> for the full hour so I could just call it, but no, uh, no. Okay. Let's move on to me being a homer unsurprisingly once again. So I want to talk about Jace Peterson, who's actually at 19% roster ship, which is way higher than I expected him to be. Um, I'm shocked. And I have to be a homer before he jumps above the threshold where we can actually talk about any anymore. Uh, so Peterson had an eight-game hitting streak that ended on the fourth where he accumulated nine runs, 11 RBIs, and two stolen bases, plus a home run, which is great. Um, I think that the most exciting part of this stretch, though, and just his performance as a whole, is the fact that his K rate has been pretty minuscule in comparison to the rest of his career. He only struck out three times over his last 43 plate appearances, which is fantastic. So putting the ball in play as much as he has been has been great. Now... There is a downside to Jace Peterson, and that's the fact that this is really a largely opportunity-based pickup if you're going to go grab him, because he's basically he's going to be playing second base in place of Colton Wong, who went back on the IL recently. So until he is eligible to come back from the IL in like six-ish days uh, from the release of this episode, uh, Peterson will likely be asked to play 
second for that entire time. And then after that, his playing time will kind of be up in the air. Um, and while he's likely just a stopgap measure for most folks, regardless of whatever league you might be playing in, the multi-position eligibility, like he's infield and outfield eligible on pretty much every major plan, uh, fantasy platform. Uh, I think he could still be a good stash for when the injury bug inevitably strikes, especially with the Brewers squad between like Daniel Vogelbach getting hurt because Jace Peterson has played a little bit of first base here and there. Obviously, he can play second base. He plays outfield as well. So, I mean, if you're in a deeper like 15 team league or like an NL only league, I would feel fine picking him up if you have deep enough benches to stash him. Uh, but in like 12 teamers, it's you're, you're not going to want him at all. Just hold off. I have a question. Yes. On a team where Colton Wong, Willie Adonis, Julio, um, oh god, Jace Peterson, and uh, Luis Urias, uh, am I am I getting that name right? I I don't know why I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. No, you got it. Oh, okay, I wanted to call him Julio Urias, but I know that's uh, the Dodgers pitcher. No, but yeah. uh, on on a team where all of these infielders are thriving, how is Keston Hero not doing well? That's the one, me. the one with the most prospect pedigree of all of them. He's been, he has been better since he got called back up. I will say he hit like he hit a couple high fastballs out, which was very, very impressive. I don't know if that's going to happen all the time or if that's going to be a, a trend that continues. But I mean, with Keston, man, like I would, I want him to do well so badly. Just so, like as a person, he's been like he's been through a lot this year with his mom and everything like that, and I want him to do really, really well. It's just been so painful to see him struggle. Well, don't don't mind me while I uh, absolutely talk smack to my uh, co-host here. But we were watching uh, or or following the Mets Brewers game earlier tonight. And, uh, uh, here we go. Okay, Keston Hira came up against Edwin Diaz in a uh, close and late situation with men on base, and I was like, "Oh, uh, thank you. I'm so glad that Keston Hira is up in this situation." I found the sigh of relief that you let out offensive. To be completely honest. I didn't appreciate that at all. Oh, good. It's Keston here and Jackie Bradley oh, Jr. coming thank up. Thank goodness. Well, oh. I mean, no, okay. Never mind. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be a homer. I'm not going to do it. We're going to move on. Let's talk about Harrison Bader now. This is all you, Harrison Bader. We talked about him uh, about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, before he got hurt, and he got hurt because he rolled on a baseball and displaced a rib. That is completely true. That is a thing that happened. Just a very, very dumb injury in a season full of very dumb injuries. I like to not uh, add any more context. Like he just had a baseball in bed and rolled on it. But no, he, actually, he okay, a, to, be, to be fair, I've rolled on a baseball before to try to like get a knot out of my back and it's made it worse. So for all we know, that's That could have been what he did. Any like to, I don't, I don't really know. I'm also not a world-class athlete. So there's that, but they're just like us really. <laughs> no 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 they're not not at all he was diving he was diving for a catch and uh the the ball made its way under him and uh popped his rib i guess so uh yeah but he's back and uh the thing that was most exciting about harrison bader pre-injury was that his strikeout rate was like for him unbelievably low um it's it's higher now uh but you know, we'll, we can chalk that up to a uh, post injury, uh, you know, getting reacclimated. Um, but it's for the season at this point, it's sitting at 17% where in previous season, it's been, it's, it's been as high as like 31%. Like he, stri- he used to strike out so much. And it's, like I said, it's down to 17%, huge improvement. He's also sitting at a 209 BABIP, which 
you know, at first glance, you think, oh, low BABIP, that means there's regression coming. But I'm actually kind of confused by this profile overall. Uh, this is this is me uh, uh, pleading to being uh, not as good of an analyst as I want to be because I really couldn't make heads or tails from what I was seeing looking at this profile. Like the WOBA and the XWOBA are pretty much identical. So, and the BABIP is crazy low, but his expected batting average pretty much matches his current batting average. He's got that really improved K rate, but we're not seeing improvements elsewhere. The hard hit sweet spot percentage and barrel rates are all down, but his exit velos are pretty normal for him. It's just strange overall. But the man has two home runs already since coming back from his injury, and whenever healthy, he's pretty much a lock to be like a 15 home run, 20 stolen base guy, kind of like Jake Fraley without the walks. And in a batting average league, uh, in a in a deep batting average league, that plays. You know, if you if you roster, you know, if your league rosters 50 outfielders, he probably belongs like near the tail end of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I took a peek at his page briefly because I saw that you were looking at him and I saw like pretty much all the same stuff. The thing that I would be interested in would be to see what his like ground ball rates and things like that are. I was looking at that too. I, I think this warrants a deeper dive, um, like okay. more, more than I had time to do while prepping for this because uh, like his ground ball rates and his pull rates did look a little wonky and I, I wanted to look more into that. Fair enough. And then how big of a sample size did you have to work off of with him? Do you remember offhand? Because I don't know how many games he's actually played this year at this point. This season, it wasn't many. I don't have a number for you. Yeah. I could, I could look at it. Because for all we know, this, I mean, like like you said, there are some really, really weird numbers happening here, like things that don't seem to make a ton of sense, but it could maybe just yeah. be small sample size noise to a certain extent. So Who's to it's, say? It's 105, 104 plate appearances so far this year. Actually, uh, it would be 108 after today. Uh, and I, I think this is around the time where we would think that uh, plate discipline stuff would start to stabilize, I believe. Um, and he's, yeah, but I really, what you're banking on with him is like the exit velos are still good. He, he can mm-hmm. still put a charge into a ball. The sprint speed is still elite and the defense is still elite to keep him in the lineup. So the things that you're really banking on for with him are the power, the speed, and you're hoping that the increased plate discipline, the, hopefully the increased plate discipline will, you know, lead to more opportunities to do the other stuff, the better batting average, uh, being on base more for runs, uh, you know, knocking in more runs. That's what we're hoping for here. So basically what this is, is a power speed combo, uh, you know, a teens power speed combo with upside for more. Love it. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Let's move on then to Eli White here. So this is one that I brought up. This is a pretty fringe one. He's only 1% rostered in ESPN and Yahoo leagues. And I'm not going to go super deep on Eli White because again, like many suggestions that I personally make on this show, it's based on opportunity. So White has been acting kind of as a rover, playing a bit of each outfield position since he was called back up from AAA on June 8th. Uh, during that time, he's hit 259 with four home runs and a stolen base, which is totally fine, honestly. Like 260 is a fine average, uh, especially in today's game. Uh, the two big notes that I really want to hit on here, though, are that he's been hitting out of the one or two hole in four of the last five games that he started, which is fantastic. I mean, hitting at the top of the lineup is going to boost your kind of similar with like Lamont Wade. As I talked about previously, it's going to boost your uh, stock 
in my opinion, right away. Uh, the other thing is that he does have some speed and can nab you a few bags. He's actually gone six for nine on stolen bases in 230 plate appearances between AAA and the majors this year. So for those of you that are bad at math like me and needed to use a calculator to figure that out, that's about 13 stolen bases over the course of a full season, uh, which is pretty good. Um, this, honestly, though, really is probably only a play in AL-only leagues. Uh, but with David Dahl flailing pretty wildly at the plate, like he's had a very, like just an abysmal year so far. Um, Eli White may have carved himself out a role. And if he can hang on to it, he could retain some value in those leagues. Also, we don't know maybe at some point if Joey Gallo is going to get traded, um, which would open up even more opportunity for Eli White and secure his position even further. Yeah, I keep hearing about Gallo potentially getting traded, and that would have huge implications for yes. deeper leagues because of players like Eli White, uh, David Dahl, Willie Calhoun, all yep. those guys potentially getting more playing time would be uh, relevant. But I, I like, is he going to get traded? He's not a free agent this year. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I really, Who really don't. I, the The name that I keep hearing is the Padres, and I just don't see them doing it with Will Myers in uh, right field and Tommy Pham in left. Uh, I, and left. Yeah, Machado and Hosmer on the corners. Like, why would they do that? I don't, I don't know. I don't think that makes sense necessarily. I know that uh, our good friend Joshua Sperry would like it if just going to say that it would like it if Atlanta would bring in uh joey gallo but i don't know we'll see how yeah, things would, go Miss, mr sperry would break twitter that day oh my gosh i mean the videos that he would make off the, of the, that the i can tweets, only imagine tweet, like yeah the tweets would create a singularity they'd be so good just real quick i'm just gonna say this right now oh god i have to look up his twitter handle real quick uh please follow josh sperry sperry average yeah Isn't sperry it? So his, uh, or no, it's not Sperry Average. So his uh, Twitter handle is Josh underscore Sperry. S-P-E-R-R-Y. Please follow him. He's one of the funniest dudes we know. And also just one of, like genuinely one of the coolest dudes we know. He he is also my favorite medium-sized Twitch streamer at Sperry Average. Aside from himself, Schwabzy. Well, yeah, that's a given. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, Okay, let's move on. I got another one here. Uh, Gavin Sheets. So Gavin Sheets has only been up for about a week-ish so far uh with the white Sox, and small sample size aside here are the superlatives about sheets short stint on the south side you like that i wrote that out that nice little alliteration so, so many rookies have sheets the bed so far this year that it's really nice to see one uh performing well right at the start that's fair that is very fair i mean it seems like both with what was it wander franco and kelnick they both hit home runs in their first game and then kind of fell off the face of the earth a bit Second game for Kelnick, first game for Wander. Second, there you go. Thank you. Fair enough. Uh, that's that's just my way of getting a swear into pitcherlist podcast, but but not really. Just one. You, we get one. We get one per year. I don't. I really don't. I don't even get one. We get, we got to get one a piece, don't we? We'll Dude, we'll, my, talk, well, let's talk to Nick about that. We'll have to see if we can at least get one. I know that. But, I, well, I do know that I had to bleep myself out last week. The contract negotiations to try to get a swear word in were were violent. It was bad. And I lost. Really, really bad. <laughs> I'm imagining Nick trying to beat you up, and it's just incredible to me. The visual. Like I'm, I'm a large person, but Nick, Nick is six four, former pitcher. He's got, he's got the range. Like he's got the he's, reach. He does. He does have, have that reach. Uh, you're pretty tall too, though. I think you could handle yourself. Uh, I think yeah, that I, I think that t- he would have the stand up game, and I think if it went to the ground, you would probably get. It. Mm, yeah, I have T Rex arms. Ah, uh, yeah, that's tough. I, I got that's stubby little arms. Yeah. 
I'm just, I'm just short. Uh, so short Gavin everywhere. Sheets. Oh yeah. So Gavin Sheets. <laughs> oh, so anyways, Gavin Sheets, uh, in his first, uh, seven games, he's hit safely in six of them and he's reached safely in all of them. So he walked in that other game that he didn't get a hit in. He's had two home runs so far as well as two doubles. So like the power is there clearly he's got eight RBIs in his limited action as well. And he's hit as high as second in the lineup, which is pretty cool. He sat in the sixth spot today. So it's worth like kind of noting and, uh, watching where he's going to be finding himself in the lineup. Because uh, it's going to affect both plate appearances and counting stats in the long run. Um, but that's the thing is he seems to be finding ways to tap into his 70 grade raw power that he was given uh, by scouts, which is super encouraging. So I think that realistically, if he can hang on to that uh, DH spot that he's been sitting in, I think expecting around like 12 home runs and 60 runs and RBIs for the rest of the season isn't totally out of the question. Uh, and if you need some depth at corner and feel their first base that has power upside, he's probably my favorite guy to target right now. Some of our some of our uh, Andrew Vaughn stands in uh, the Petrolist Discord have been freaking out because uh, yeah. Gavin Sheets is already giving getting more favorable lineup spots than uh, Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, which is I mean I was also a big fan of Andrew Vaughn. Scary scary looking dude, but I really really liked him as a ball player. <laughs> Did you happen to see the tweet where Andrew Vaughn's face was photoshopped onto the boss baby? I've seen all of them. Good Lord. <laughs> Talk about nightmare fuel. Great. Uh, we'll have to link that. We'll, we'll put the link to that tweet in the uh, podcast notes for y'all so you can look at it too. So everyone else can be cursed as well. And that's, be- <laughs> that's because we don't like you. <laughs> if, okay. we, if, we, if we truly liked our followers, <laughs> we would not show this picture to you. <laughs> Just committing a violence against our listeners <laughs> at all at all costs which is just completely on brand for us. All right, let's 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 wrap up the hitters here. We have a few people that we just want to go over real quick. There's a lot of folks here that we're going to say that are still rostered under 20% that we think are worth your attention. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr., uh, as I mentioned previously, same stuff as I said about him before stands. Uh, he's going to be hitting at the top of that Giants lineup when he is in the lineup. Uh, and that's inherently valuable in and of itself because it seems like literally everyone in that lineup can hit. Um, so... Yeah. I would like to point out that you just talked for about 15 seconds about Lamont Wade Jr. And that means that this will be the podcast all year long where we talked about Giants the least. That is absurd to me. Let's just cap it right there. I'm not going to say anything else about him now. We're just done. I think I think we're, we're are, are we turning over a new leaf? I'm going to say no because we're probably going to be back on our BS next week again. Yeah, no, the San Francisco Giants live rent free in our heads. So tune in next week when we talk about Jalen Davis. Can we talk? Okay, but can we actually just talk like a very quick sidebar? I really don't like the San Francisco City Connect jerseys. Oh, no, they're terrible. They're really bad. Too much gradient. Like, why is there so much gradient happening? There have been so hit or miss so far. I really, Uh, really. Oh, who was was it? uh, Miami's was really good. No, I actually liked Boston's. There was a a curly fro on Twitter. Um, She, She, uh, yeah, Shakia. Shakia, yeah, she mentioned that uh, the, what she would have liked was if they got local artists to design the jerseys instead of you know whoever did it at Nike, and that seems I, like I such like a no brainer. Like it seems like the easiest thing to do in the world. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why people, I don't know why they can't just. Uh, yeah, it would have been fantastic if they had done um, that, unlike, but that's too um, that's too intelligent for yeah. anything the MLB does. So why why uh, why take an easy W when you could not. Um, I'm very 50-50 on the City Connect jerseys. I've liked a few of them, hated a few of yeah. them. The, and I'm, uh, this falls under the hate. Uh, but yeah, so real quick about uh, our next hitter, Jesus Sanchez. Uh, 
great prospect pedigree. And it appears that the Marlins have committed to him for the full year uh, after trading Corey Dickerson yes. and uh, uh, Adam Simber to uh, oh my god I can't uh, to to the Toronto Blue Jays for Joe Panic and uh, Joe Panic is no risk to uh, Jesus Sanchez's playing time so uh, it looks like they are going to give him as much of a chance as uh, you know he he'll earn uh, you know he's been hitting okay so far striking out a bit much yeah but he was you know, a, a top of the line prospect. So uh, I, he's worth a look, uh, definitely worth a stash. He's going to be rostered already in your dynasty leagues. So you're probably out of luck there, but you know, in your, in your keeper leagues where maybe there's not a minor league system, he's uh, definitely worth taking a look at. Excellent. All right. And then you want to cover uh, Harold Ramirez for us too? Yeah. A lot of these guys are, you know, quote my, the, my guys. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, a lot of these people, there are people that we talked about previously, right? Like yeah, we've kind of a, done the song and dance on all these guys, right. but there's not a whole lot of new ground to cover here. Uh, Harold Ramirez still good for batting average, still impacting the ball really well. If he ever starts uh, elevating more, he's going to be a monster. But uh, as it stands right now, good bet for batting average, and uh, not so much for OBP because he doesn't walk. But he is fantastic yep. at putting the bat on the ball. Abraham Toro has hit another dinger since the last time we spoke. Hey, he is still fantastic. Uh, because of his lineup spot, because of and that's it. It's the lineup spot. It's the team. He's uh, hitting in a basically everything one through seven is a prime lineup spot for the Houston Astros. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's going to get plenty of RBI opportunities. He's hit three dingers since he came up, and I think just being a decent bat in that lineup means good things are going to follow. Bobby Bradley for the uh, the Cleveland baseball team still hitting for power. Not really yep. hitting for average. Last time I looked into him, I thought that there might be some average upside there. I think there still might be, given his contact rates and whatnot. But the average has been slacking. The power hasn't. So he's still doing what you want. Uh, I, again, I think there's upside for more. But if you need pop on your team, Bobby Bradley can provide that. And then we've Excellent. got Brendan Rogers, uh, who brings some of the same stuff just from the middle infield and more batting average. I actually, uh, let me think. I think out of all of these guys that I just mentioned, Ramirez, Toro, Bradley, and Rogers, out of all of them, long-term, I like Rogers the most because uh, Colorado, mainly. Uh, yeah. you, you can't beat an everyday player in Colorado when you're talking about uh, you know deep league production. Uh, yeah, so I, I think he's a really good bet for a handful of home runs, runs, RBIs, batting average hitting like 275 right now. Uh, I'm absolutely ballparking that because I'm not looking at it. Uh, and then uh, Nicky Lopez. Nicky Lopez is only valuable as long as Adalberto Mondesi is injured and value is relative. Um, I'm, I'm literally using him directly as a replacement for Adalberto Mondesi in a league where I, I have him. He's he's just i'm trying to think of a nicer way to say this he's there um yeah we were we, he is very much there that's um, all you can really ask of some guys in a lot of deep leagues we were, we were actually uh, we were looking at his batting line earlier and kind of laughing because uh i i think in the last like uh since, since the start of june he's got like it's like a 333 batting average which is lovely and then yeah. he's got uh three stolen bases in that time frame two rbis which is how how do you not get more than two rbis in a month 
Uh, and then he's got nine runs scored and uh, zero home runs, like two doubles, no home runs, no triples. Like it's it's yeah. an obscene lack of pop, but a slap Richard, if you will. He is incredibly slap Richard, but sometimes you're in a league so deep where that is something that needs to be rostered. So yeah, I, I happen to be in leagues like that. So maybe you are too. As 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 long as Alberto Mondesi is injured, and he is injured a lot this year, uh, Nicky Lopez might be worth a look. Love it. Okay. Um, and then I think that's going to be it for hitters. Let's move on. I know that you just did a lot of talking, Schwebzy. I apologize, but I'm going to make you talk a little bit more. Oh, and no, I hate I talking. Like, oh, no. Especially about the Mets. Oh, no. Whatever oh, no, will you no, do? No, no. Uh, so, I'm literally, Schwebzy, I am decked head to toe in blue and orange right now. It's a, it's a nightmare to look at. To what color is my hat? Your hat is... Uh, fluorescent orange like you look like you're about to go out and shoot trap i'm, I'm like, wearing there, the, the players weekend 2018 mets hat and it is a violent shade of orange yeah you look like you're about to go skeet shooting honestly i mean it's it's too much it's too much i can't handle it all right so the uh the player that we're talking about is tyler mcgill who Jordan is now intimately familiar with after today, I assume, because uh, I mean, so the the, the pitching matchup today uh, in the game that we were following was Brandon Woodruff versus Tyler McGill. And we can now confirm which of those two pitchers is better. And it is uh, McGill. Go to heck. Given the results of the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I mentioned I mentioned the last uh, last week or two weeks ago when we were talking about David Peterson, how uh, David Peterson gives me intense agita every time he takes the mound. McGill has inspired the complete opposite so far. Uh, he's been surprisingly steady. Uh, he's when there's men on base, he, he toughens up. It's all, all those old, old people adages. He's looked really good. I, I've been impressed. And he's been like the umpteenth Mets savior this season. He's leapt from prospect obscurity to starting three games in which the Mets all won in large part because of his pitching. And the big driver of his success uh, from his prospect days has been an uptick in velocity in the past year or two uh, in, at the alternate site, leaving his fastball averaging 95, which coming from a six foot seven human being is no joke. His season line so far is a bit of a mixed bag. There's been some luck involved and there are some really strong pros and cons and even some things that would qualify as both. So this is, is this a pitcher that you want to add to your team? Let's look at this. The actual production has been nice. He's accumulated 19 strikeouts in 14.1 innings, which is great, while putting up a 3.77 ERA, which is fine. And uh, given some of the other rookie debuts this year, that's really palatable. So the pros here are good strikeout numbers, acceptable ratios, and debatably a good chance to win with the Mets ballpark and lineup behind him. Uh, you know, your mileage may vary depending on how you feel about the, uh, the Mets lineup. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it so I wouldn't have to. Thank you. I appreciate it. On paper, you. it's fantastic. On paper, we look great. But, you know, in practice, it's like the second worst runs per game offense in baseball. Oh. Yeah, I don't know how... I, it's going to get better. I swear. I hope it's going to get better. <laughs> I swear. But, uh, I hope it's going to get better. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, wow. But, yeah. All right. So going like pitch by pitch, uh, McGill's four-seamer on very uh, – so he's pitched three games. And on different nights, it has shown the ability to get either whiffs or called strikes or both like tonight against the Brewers when he got 
20 called strikes and whiffs on the four seamer 36 percent csw which is fantastic from a four seamer and uh seven of those 20 were whiffs which again awesome for a four seamer his slider has been really effective as his second weapon uh in the first two starts mainly and tonight it was the changeup, which generated five whiffs on 15, uh, eight whiffs on 15 swings, which again, really good rate. Overall, it's like a 50% rate on his uh, changeup for getting whiffs. That's so high. But the bad, it's not all good. The changeup has been thrown 47 times now this season. And even though it's getting a near 50% whiff rate, he's also given up two dingers, which is not a good rate. You don't want a, you don't want a dinger per 25 pitches. Yeah. That's that's not good. Uh, he also gave up a three-run dinger to Ender Inciarte, of all people, in his second start on a poorly placed four-seamer. In today's game, he was able to really dot the down-and-away corner against lefties with his four-seamer, which... So he kind of he kind of utilizes both the Blake Snell blueprint, uh, which if you're not a uh, if you're not a pitcher list follower, that is when you're really really focusing on getting your four seamers up and then you're breaking stuff down. Like you can see a really clear delineation. Yep. So he seems to be combining that while also dotting that down and away corner against lefties, which is an interesting approach and it can work to get you called strikes. It definitely worked today. So. <laughs> The the bad part, the, the, the bad things that can follow from that is if you miss that down and away corner and just kind of get it vaguely down and away, then, you know, the pitch can get absolutely killed. So yeah, exactly. I'm really encouraged by what I've seen so far. Um, definitely, I, I don't think he's not 12 team worthy. I absolutely not at this point. He's not getting deep enough into games. He's not being efficient enough. The potential for like I, I think he's gonna wind up being kind of cherry bomby. He hasn't shown the negative yet. But the fact that he's <laughs> we we were talking with uh uh baseball stat, baseball statistics specialist. I don't I don't even know what to call him, uh Andrew Perpetua earlier, and he was saying that the changeup is like abysmal and he hates it. The results have been really, really good. So uh, I'm kind of uh, taking the middle ground here and saying that I'm cautiously optimistic about it. But uh, yeah, the potential for a blow up is there if he hangs too many change ups, which he's, you know, he's done a couple times in his brief major league career so far. Yeah. So yeah, maybe not 12 teamers, but I'm in deep release than that. I'm absolutely willing to uh, run him out there. I, I've already done it in a league or two. Love it. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot in his profile to be excited about. I think, like you said, like, I mean, again, like I, I'm not saying that the Milwaukee Brewers offense is a premier offense by any means, but lately they've been very, very good. They've been one of the highest scoring offenses over the past few weeks and getting that 20 called strikes and whiffs on the four seam fastball has been, I mean, that's, that's impressive in and of itself. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, really, really great. Um, and like yeah, I, you said that he's someone that you're worried that might be a cherry bomb type person. Do you think it's mostly because of that change up and just like leaving that over the plate? Or do you think it's going to be trying to nibble at that corner with the fastball more so? So I, I today the slider wasn't really there and the okay. change up really saved him. But in theory, if the change up isn't that good of a pitch, if it just like, you know, if he just got lucky with the changeup today, then today could have yeah. been a really bad day because he did give up a home run to Omar Narvaez on that changeup. He yes. also had good bad up luck today. So, you know, on a, on a day where more singles fall and a day where he hangs one or two more changeups and that slider's not working, they, yeah, it, it could have been really bad today. 
Fair enough. Okay, cool. That's a uh, lot of ifs, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's with anyone, it's, right? Yeah, it's also, I, I think it's more uh, realistic with him than it might be with, you know, some some other people who are mainly two-pitch pitchers. Fair enough. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's move on to someone that I think, I mean, in a similar vein, I think could possibly be a, a kind of a cherry bomb type person as well, but someone that's drummed up quite a bit of excitement, especially uh, with overlord Nic- Nicholas Peter Pollock, uh, Kyle Muller. Uh, so he is technically outside of our threshold of people that we usually talk about. He's at 21% rostership, but he's had a pretty electric debut here in terms of starting pitchers in comparison to the other starting pitchers that have debuted so far this year. So there's a few things to be really, really excited about. Obviously he's already stretched out in his like second, like full start uh, to hundred plus pitches, which is super exciting. It's really cool seeing a guy be trusted to throw that many or sorry, in his third start, not his second start. I apologize. Um, yeah. Being at hundred plus pitches already in his third start is super duper encouraging. It's good. That Snitker is going to let him go. Um, the fastball is right at that precipice of the 94 mile per hour threshold, which is really, really good. Uh, there was a really good article written by Carlos Marcano explaining why that 94 mile per hour threshold is important. I definitely recommend that you read that. Um, also, the slider and curve are both super legit out pitches with each of the pitches holding a CSW of over 35% in each of his last two starts. So one, they're super duper dominant. Two, they've been good two starts in a row, uh, which is fantastic. It, it feels good knowing that if there is a day that maybe one of them isn't working how he wants it to, he's got another really, really dominant out pitch that he can lean on. So that's super duper exciting. With all that said, it's not all sunshine and rainbows because they just optioned Muller back to AAA so they could bring up Orlando Arcia, uh, hashtag Bofa, Brewer's old friend alert. Uh, but I don't think it's really a reason to, th- to fret. Uh, this is likely just a move that they make prior to the All-Star break just so they can skate by with a four-man rotation until that passes, and he should be back up promptly after the All-Star break. Um, the issue is here, if you already have him on your roster, it's going to be difficult to hang on to him on, in some leagues just depending on what the depth of your bench is and what your needs are. But if you can hang on, if you can hang on to him, absolutely you should do it i think that the stuff is super wonderful and if the command comes around for him because he does have a little bit of command issue there's even more to be excited about he's been probably the starting pitcher that i have been most excited about so far this year yeah and the braves should give him every opportunity uh since Enoa is out for you know his broken hand yes we've got soroka who retore his achilles sadly uh and honestly if the braves are kind of far out of it right now like, can you see a world in which they trade Charlie Morton? So the whole reason that Charlie Morton signed with Atlanta was because he didn't want to be far from home because he was already he was down in Tampa Bay, right? And right. then he just had to barely cross the border into Georgia to go play for the, for Atlanta. So that was the big thing for him because I think this is like he's he's approaching the the end of his career and he wants to make sure that he's just close to home. He doesn't have to be like away from his family. Yeah, I, I don't do wonder know. if that's easier to stomach know. for him with when it's only you know two months maybe i mean it's hard it's hard for me to say if it is only two months then possibly they could do it and i don't know if there are any no trade clauses or any stipulations in his contract like saying that he doesn't Uh, want that to happen yeah i should look things like that up before i say things like that well i mean 
<laughs> we can we can do our due diligence afterwards too but this is also something to keep in mind i mean i don't think that they would trade him but that's the thing is that he's been pitching really really well recently so he is a good piece to move in a trade to try to get some value back if they're not going to be in the running this year um like yeah if, it's hard to if say Scherz, like if scherzer doesn't get traded then the like he'd be one of the top two pitchers on the market like like basically him and like yeah. kyle gibson yeah that's it honestly um but i i digress yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Kyle Muller, someone that, I mean, most of us at Pitcher List are very, very excited about. Definitely recommend picking him up. And if you can hang on to him and stash him until he gets called back up after the All-Star break, please, please, please do it. Um, but moving on, let's talk about some, a few more. We're going to do some quick hitters here near the end of the episode. This one's probably going to yeah. run a little bit long, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, but you, don't, you don't say. We're already at 52 and a half minutes. The Pitcherless Podcast Network. It's going to go a little long. It's going to go a little bit long. Uh, let's talk about Merrill Kelly real quick. So I just want to touch on this very quickly. He's had a streak of three straight quality starts, though I think there was quite a bit of luck involved in some of those starts. And he does get to face Rocky Road in his next appearance. So he gets the Rockies on the road uh, on Wednesday back at Chase Field. I'd feel fine running him out for this, but then in the last game before the All-Star break, he lines up to face the Dodgers. I would not want to run him out there against the Dodgers in any capacity. Not really interested in doing that. And I think that one is a fade for me. Even though he's had a very good stretch of threes and potentially four starts here once he faces uh, the Rockies. I think he's a good streamer, but I don't think he's worth hanging on to at any point. So if you're thinking about grabbing him because he's had a few good starts in a row, it seems like he's kind of putting it together. Just stream him for this next start and let him go. Yeah, uh, Merrill Kelly is is incredible. Toby vibes. It, he's he is he might be Toby McGuire. Ooh, depending on how the rest that. of the season, depending yeah. on how the rest of the season goes, he's he might be Toby McGuire. Yeah, because um, there's some stuff like there's some. I mean, if he's if he's working effectively, it's like him throwing his fastball and his cutter and like using those to like nibble and get strikes and stuff like that, uh, and just utilizing his full repertoire. But like. He can get burnt so easily if he's just a little bit off. Like he's a very much a command first guy who is going to try to locate really, really well. And if he doesn't have that ability, he's going to get shelled. Like he, I mean, he gave up two or more runs in every single start. Or sorry, up until this three game stretch where he's had three straight quality starts, he gave up two or more runs in literally every single start. So there's like two, three, four, five runs in every single game. Yeah, but- um, also, so uh, in the second game of the season, he pitched in cores, gave up six earned runs. Third yes. game of the season at Washington, gave up six earned runs. So that was uh, April 15th. Since then, he has pitched basically six innings per start, striking out just a shade under a batter per inning while also putting up an ERA under four. So, you know, maybe you're onto something with that uh, Toby Maguire thing. Yeah. I mean, he's been good lately for sure. Um, let's help bring all of his uh, season totals down. But yeah, I mean... I'm someone who previously, I know in the past I had been not like, I wouldn't say high on him, but he was like someone that I was targeting very, very late in my drafts and my auctions as just like a ratios guy. Uh, But I got burned pretty bad when I tried to trust him. So uh, don't trust him except in the most streamable of situations. Um, But yeah, let's move on to Colby Allard. Schwebs, you take this one here. I wanted to hate Kobe Allard so much. Yeah. I don't know why I have this like like intense analyst hatred towards him. 
um not really like i really am indifferent towards kobe aller but every time i hear the name i'm like yeah don't put him on my team but uh he like he's been really really good like he locates really really well he never walks anybody it's kind of an old school approach like he doesn't throw heat but the fastball works because of the way he uses it and as long as he keeps locating i see no reason why it wouldn't keep working like so uh we're recording this on monday night uh, a day later than usual. So uh, we, uh, we got the benefit of some extra starts. And uh, today, Colby Aller pitched against Detroit, the Tigers, and uh, he struck out nine. And, you know, you think like, wow, what, what did Colby Aller do to strike out nine? And it's exactly what you would expect from a control artist. He basically, he got four strikeouts looking on just absolutely dotted four seamers and cutters. And uh, he also did what he normally does, and he got some strikeouts from elevated four seamers. And you know, the combination of the two gave him a you know, I probably I'm assuming a, a career high in strikeouts. I can't imagine he ever hit double digits. Could be wrong. I'm guessing. Uh, you know, shoot <laughs> me some hate mail if I'm wrong because I did ask for that earlier. I would say that's an educated guess and probably yeah. a fair assumption. But- uh, so. Basically, at this point, after seeing this much of him and and like uh, looking into him, I'm really, really in on Colby Allard as a streamer until his control falters. And the team that he faced today and struck out nine. So today, uh, full disclosure, he gave up some unearned runs, which uh, made his line look a bit worse if you take that into consideration. But overall, it was a good line. And he his next start is against Oakland, which I'm a little bit iffy on, but uh I'm I'm not sure how Texas is going to line up their rotation coming out of the All-Star break. But if Allard is their fourth or fifth starter, which is very feasible, then he's going to get Detroit again. So that's a stream that I'm very, very much in for. Love it. All right. Uh, yeah, he looks pretty good today. Like you said, dotting those uh, four seamers and cutters is going to be how he finds his success. Similar to Merrill Kelly, honestly, at the end of the day. Um, yeah, but yeah, let's move on to someone that I'm actually pretty excited to talk about so that we're getting to relievers here a little bit. I want to talk about Anthony Bender, uh, someone who's 2% rostered currently He's Miami reliever. Uh, he's someone that holds a place near and dear to my heart in particular, because last year he was pitching in Milwaukee. Unfortunately, it was not for the Brewers. It was for the independent league Milwaukee milkmen, uh, which is a wonderful team name. Cause you know what? The milkmen, they always deliver, uh, boom. Boom. Nailed it. Uh, so Bender has been fantastic this year. He's only given up runs in one of his 20 total appearances so far in 2021, which is fantastic. Uh, on top of that, it's pretty good. He also, yeah. He also locked down his first save, uh, on the day of this recording. Uh, one save isn't really a pattern by any means, but I'm going to dive in a little bit later into why this could be important. Um, Bender's marquee offering is a slider. So that thing carries a 48.1% zone rate, a 21.2% swinging strike rate and a 34.7% O swing. So that is like just outside of money pitch territory. Uh, it's the pitch is so good. Y'all it's so good. I, I, I watched him, uh, against the, against Atlanta the other day and watching Austin Riley just wildly flail at this thing as it was like, a full foot and a half off the plate was incredible. Um, the the oh. fact that it's in the zone that much and still so good is yes. like wild for a slider. It's so good. So, so, so good. Uh, so that first save that I was talking about earlier, right? Uh, first of all, I want to kind of like put a little cold water on this. It was 
because Yimi Garcia had pitched the previous two days. Yimi Garcia is the uh, incumbent closer, in theory, uh, for the Marlins. But that first save that Bender got today came against the Dodgers of all teams. That's a premier offense, which, I mean, tells me that Mattingly is starting to trust Bender more and more and more in those high leverage situations, which is fantastic. Um, At just 2% rostership, he's got really, really, really good ratios, like tons of strikeouts, and is a really easy add for me in save hold leagues just because he's getting those high leverage innings again. And also, you should definitely add him in any league where you need to speculate on saves because if Yimi Garcia stumbles, I mean, he gave up four runs against Atlanta in his last outing. If he stumbles any more than that, I could definitely see Bender starting to vulture saves and maybe even taking over the job from him if he keeps this up. Yeah, we we were looking into this earlier, and Yimi Garcia has like a, a ten ERA or something in his last fifteen appearances. Like, it's not great. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the four earned runs in, in his last appearance really, really inflates that. But he just yes. hasn't been great in the past month. They'd have every reason to see if Bender could handle that job. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about Bender. Obviously, anyone who has a local tie, I'm going to be a homer about. And again, that slider is literally one of the most beautiful pitches I've seen. I wouldn't say that I like it more than Tanner Houck's slider, but it's very, very close. It is fantastic to have name pitch synergy like that. What do you mean? It's like like if Corbin Burns threw like 102. Like that's great name and pitch synergy. And oh now we, yeah, we've got, we've got a man. We've got a man named Bender throwing a sick breaking pitch. That's okay. Yeah, that's absolutely. It's like if Walker Bueller couldn't stop walking people. Uh, yeah, this it's good. Good synergy and also a great baseball name. It really is a. Re- it, it's a fantastic baseball name. Uh, another fantastic baseball name to follow this one up too. Shwebzy, talk about uh, your next guy here. Ranger Suarez. It's not a baseball name, but it's still a great name. Just it's a Ranger really Suarez. It, I I trust a man named Ranger Suarez. I would I would trust him to like guide me through the mountains, and I I trust him to save a baseball game, which is what he's apparently currently doing for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, so he's basically the only arm in the Phillies bullpen that I trust right now. Uh, he's the most recent pitcher to get a save for the Phillies. And really he's the only one in the past couple of weeks that hasn't been an absolute garbage fire. And that's the nicest way I could put that. Uh, the, the only exception really is a uh, long man, Bailey falter. And, uh, I had kind of penciled in falter as a sleeper for saves, but his usage so far means there's little chance of saves in the near future unless they just wildly change his role. He's got 14 innings pitched in his last six appearances. He's there to give them length, not so much a pitch in high leverage situations. Suarez doesn't strike out many guys. He also doesn't walk many, which is uh, you know good. He doesn't give up too many dingers. And he doesn't really have the strikeout stuff you'd expect out of an elite reliever, but the results have absolutely been there. He's a, uh, he's a, I, I have written in the notes, a single baller and that thrown me through me for a second, but he is a sinker baller. And <laughs> unlike Jordan, who is a single baller at the moment, hey, um, ha, uh, the, the results of, uh, Ranger Suarez's sinker have been absolutely elite. So as far as I can tell, he's the safest arm in that bullpen by a mile. And I don't see any reason why Joe Girardi wouldn't keep going to him. But he was also like, I I think the reason that he wasn't considered for the closer role previously was uh, the fact that 
uh, he's was like the main lefty in the pen that wasn't uh, Jose Alvarado. Uh, they had two two lefties in that bullpen. Uh, and I seem to have lost Jordan. Oh, no. All right. So I have just lost my uh, I have just lost my co-host. His power has just gone out in Milwaukee. So I am going to power through and uh, and finish this up. So uh, as I was saying, Ranger Suarez, the only bullpen arm that I trust in that uh, Philadelphia bullpen. He in his last two appearances, he got a uh, win in a high leverage situation, and then immediately afterwards got a save in the next game. And this was after flameouts by Alvarado, flameouts by Norris, and then Norris gave up like five runs in his next appearance. So, long story short, Ranger Suarez is the only one in that bullpen I trust. Uh, moving on to Scott Barlow over in the Kansas City Royals bullpen. This is something that I've been waiting for for a while. Um, in the past couple of years, Scott Barlow has appeared to have the stuff to be a closer, uh, while at different times, Greg Holland and Josh Stalmont both got chances. And it's finally appears to be Scott Barlow's turn. And with Greg Holland being 35-year-old Greg Holland, it looks like it's finally Barlow's time to show if he can hang on to that job or not. Uh, he's gotten the past couple of save opportunities. He's converted. And if he's available in your league, uh, I show him at 18% rostered right now between Yahoo and ESPN. I absolutely would give him a shot. He's got the closer stuff. He's got the strikeout stuff, walks a few too many guys. You know, it's a, it's a pretty common uh, reliever archetype. But any one of these guys can go off for a prolonged stretch and uh, be an elite closer. And Scott Barlow is no different. Now, as for the Cincinnati bullpen, I, I don't I, I don't even know what to do with this situation. It's seen, like in the last three weeks, they've gone from Lucas Sims to TJ Antone to uh, Amir Garrett to apparently now Heath Hembry. Brad Brock got a save in there. That's five different guys that have gotten saves in the last few weeks. And all of them have been good at times. Uh, so it's really kind of hard to get a read on this. It appears that Heath Hembry might be the guy. Uh, he's gotten the last two saves while uh, Brad Brock keeps pitching uh, four inning holds. Not really sure what they're doing. Um, I, I've been told by my friend several times recently that David Bell does not care about you fantasy owners, and that seems to be the case. But if you're really uh, trying to get saves, Heath Henry appears to be the guy right now. So we've talked a lot recently about middle relievers that still have value. And the guys that we've been talking about a lot are Seth Lugo and Colin McHugh. Now, Seth Lugo, just to uh, do a little victory lap, got another win today, Monday. And Colin McHugh on Sunday went three innings, striking out six with only one hit allowed. So they continue to be absolutely awesome. Now, the guys that we're going to add to this list today are Garrett Whitlock and Paul Sewald. Paul Sewald is a Mets old friend alert, and he's been so unbelievably good. Uh, Seawald has a 43% K rate this year. That's it. That's that's the analysis. Uh, he's, he's he just he strikes out everybody now. Apparently, uh, he's gone from a three pitch pitcher to only a two pitch pitcher. He basically only uses his four seamer and slider now. But the slider is so so good. Both pitchers are getting elite results. Both pitches are getting elite results. And as long as the slider is this good, I expect great K numbers to follow. Uh, sure sure could use a guy like uh, Paul Sewald on the Mets, huh? Am I right? Mets. But uh, 
I, there was a, a Paul Seawald slider the other day that made uh, Nick Pollock gush because uh, it was just such an absurdly good slider that broke. So, it started looking like a strike and it broke so far out of the zone that uh, like Nick could barely believe it. So uh, that's what Seawald brings to the table nowadays. So Garrett Whitlock has been absolutely lights out for the Sox this year. Sorry, I need to put more on that. The Sox. He's been so good for the Sox this year. Uh, he's utilizing a heavy sinker and also using whiff-inducing secondaries, which is a combo that made me fall in love with Chris Rodriguez while totally ignoring that Whitlock was doing it already, but better. So yeah, uh, these are guys that can absolutely provide innings. Uh, they can stabilize your ratios. They can pile up some strikeouts for you. And uh, Whitlock is a very frequent uh, multi-inning reliever. So these are guys that can absolutely help you, even though they're not in a traditional like fantasy stat accruing role. Uh, this one is a uh, this one's kind of a deep stash for me. This is something that I noticed, and it might be something. It, it might be nothing. Anthony K. Anthony K. In his last two appearances, has gone nine scoreless innings with thirteen strikeouts in his last two appearances. But as far as I can tell, he isn't currently penciled in for another start at this time. He's been jerked around a lot between relieving and starting, and those two killer appearances were against Baltimore and Seattle. But I think there's something here. Normally, I might think this was just a blip against bad teams, but in those last two appearances, he broke out a slider for the first time ever, literally first time ever in his major league career, and it was really, really, really good. I'm talking 50% with percentage good. Maybe this is just a weird pitch classification thing because he threw a cutter and he wasn't really throwing it now, but they appear to be distinct different pitches given the spin, the uh, the, the break, the speeds. So it looks like he broke out a new pitch and apparently an like fresh out the box elite pitch. So again, maybe it's nothing, but maybe we're seeing a former top 100 prospect pick up a new pitch and you know really become something uh you know the guy throws 95 he's had plenty of success before so you know keep your eye on this maybe stash him in deep leagues i snagged him in my al only league just in case this is the start of something uh you know something good um so someone that we've mentioned before and i just want to touch on here because i'm not recommending him is kyle freeland three straight quality starts two of them coming in cores. So you might be thinking, ooh, you know, let's let's pick this guy up off the waivers. But his three quality starts came against St. Louis, who are terrible offensively right now, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Seattle. His next starts are against the Padres and then the Dodgers twice. So, I mean, that could change given the all-star break and everything, but it looks like a really, really unfriendly schedule for a pitcher. So... I'm very out on Kyle Freeland still, in spite of the uh, great performance recently. So uh, since I since I have lost Jordan, I will be doing the sign-off myself today. First time ever. Sorry if I messed this up. Yeah, we, you, can, uh, you can follow us on our shared Twitter account at, at InTheDeepPL. Uh, you can, me- you can uh, follow Jordan on Twitter at BuntSingles or follow me at Schwebzi, that is S-H-W-E-B-S-I, or you can mail questions to us on our email account at in the deep PL at gmail.com. 
And uh, yeah, that is our show for the day. Uh, come watch us uh, at 9 p.m. on Sundays as we stream this uh, this recording session uh, on uh, on my Twitch at twitch.tv slash Schwebzy. And uh, yeah, send them out, me. Bye, friends. All right. So... Oh man, that was a, uh... that's talk a lot. <laughs>